We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, what the hell happened in the last seven days. We'll review it, we'll talk about it, because this is a podcast, dear listener, where we talk about news and politics, sex and religion. We look at what's happened in the last seven days in Australia, around the world, give our little spin on it, try to figure it out. With me, I'm Trevor, a.k.a. The Iron Fist. With me, Joe the Tech Guy. How are you, Joe? I'm good, and you? Not too bad, thanks. Yes, What's happened in the last seven days? Well, if you told me last week that weather balloons across the USA would be a thing, I would have thought it was unlikely. You don't know whether you'd have believed it? <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about that because it's, you know, and just how it's portrayed, that's the interesting part about it. Why would people portray it the way they have? What are the agendas that are being run? And then we'll talk about some Australian stuff. Cardinal Pell was buried. Lydia Thorpe's quit. The Greens. Robo-dead inquiry. A bunch of other things like that. So, look, if you're not sure about some of the topics, on your phone, hopefully, your app will show chapters and the list of topics will be there. If you want to skip one, you can skip it. Or if you want to repeat one, it should be easy. So have a look on your on your app and see if you can see the chapters. That makes it easier to zoom around our topics. So if you're in the chat room, say hello. Already we've got Essential Lord Don and James. Good on you guys. Make your comments. We'll try and incorporate them. Right, Joe. So a balloon in the USA, um, Mm. a weather balloon, has caused US commentators went crazy. A large weather balloon and... The question was, where did it come from? What was it doing there? And because it seemed to come from China, the answer of what was it doing there could only be one thing, and that was evil, nasty things from this weather balloon. So I'll play you some clips so you can get a bit of a feeling for just just how America was responding to this balloon mania. So we'll play a little bit of that so you get a feel for what was happening. Fox News alert. It is day two of Balloon Watch. The Chinese spy blimp's about to hit Illinois and is creeping towards the East Coast. So the commie spy balloon penetrated our airspace. If citizens hadn't spotted this thing yesterday, the government would have covered it up. It's almost like China has Biden by the balloons. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I haven't been very specific because that information's classified and I'm just not going to be able to talk about it. That balloon should have been blown sky high the minute that it crossed U.S. airspace. And every single second that it hangs there is another reminder of just how owned our politicians, our system, our businesses are by the Chinese Communist Party. Says, you know, officials tell CNN the U.S. has not ruled out shooting down this spy balloon once it is deemed safe to do so. Does the U.S. need to bring this balloon down? I I think the United States has to take control of this balloon. There are two things that are of great concern here. 
One is that it's been determined to be a surveillance balloon, which means that it's gathering intelligence. That's the purpose of surveillance. If Biden pops the Chinese balloon, it'll do more to unite the country than any of his stupid policies. Everybody wants that thing lit up. Give us a moment of unity, Joe. We're begging you. Look alive. Mr. President. That last shouting and screaming was a press conference where the press gallery was shouting at the president as he left, saying, when and how is he going to deal with the balloon? Well, he um, didn't hear because he's deaf, apparently. He's old and senile. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So a surveillance balloon, Joe, I mean, this is one of the key parts in reading about all this is the reference to the balloon as a surveillance balloon. Well, Joe, if it's just a normal weather balloon, it would still be a surveillance balloon, I would have thought, surveilling yeah, the weather. No, normal weather balloons don't have motors, propellers on them to move them around. Right. They don't? No. Did this they, one? The, this one does, apparently. Right. And it, it seems so many years ago, it was decided that Sputnik wouldn't be challenged because the US wanted to overfly Russia with spy satellites. And oh, so <clears throat> convention has said that 100 kilometres is the limit at which your airspace ends and oh, anything that's below 100 kilometres is deemed an intrusion into your airspace. Is this, is this a gentleman's agreement or is this written down in a treaty that America has not signed? Is there some treaty? That's, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. But certainly mm. it's it's convention right. that 100 kilometres is the limit. So if you're up above 100 kilometres, fair game. Below, right. you need... If it's an if it's a completely unguided balloon, you would at least give a heads up that it was heading in that direction. Mm. Now, also, don't forget that during the Second World War, balloons came from Asia to America and they were part of a Japanese bombing raid. Right. The Japanese had discovered the jet stream and had released balloons up into the jet stream to bomb the U.S. West Coast. Did and apparently work? they blew up a few trees really? up in the forests of the Pacific Northwest. Is that didn't, right? Didn't manage to do much damage, but they were used as a bombing campaign in the Second World War. Is that right? I'd never mm -hmm. heard that. So that's a good one. So actually, I just put the wrong video up. Hang on, I'm just going to grab this other video. Not Tucker Carlson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, got to play. This is what we do on this podcast, Joe, is we scour the internet and get stuff from the left and the right. And, well, this is an enjoy. Okay, here's Tucker Carlson's response to it. <laughs> there is, by the way, a Chinese spy balloon flying over the United States. The Pentagon does not want to shoot it down. Why would you want to shoot a Chinese spy balloon down? That seems mean and racist. Why aren't they shooting it down? George Santos! George Santos! We'll have more on it next. Some people voluntarily watch his show. <laughs> what what did those? Santos have to do at all I with anything? I don't know. It's just craziness, isn't it? Mm -hmm. so, 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 Joe, are you working on the theory then? Like in all of my reading on this balloon, I never came across anything about weather balloons and never have any sort of propulsion, and this one did. And I, I don't know. So it, you're, it, this adds it to seems, your suspicion. It seems weird. It seems to be provocative, if nothing else. Right. You know, there wasn't a, hey, heads up, there's a weather balloon coming in your direction. Mm. Uh, and by the way, this one's steerable, which is totally unusable. I know that they're picking up the pieces, so they have shot it down. 
they're going to pick up the pieces. It'll be interesting to see what they find in it mm. and how much isn't classified. Mm. Yeah. The Chinese put out a statement, which was this. The airship is from China. It is a civilian airship used for research, mainly meteorological purposes. Affected by the westerlies and with limited self-steering capability, the airship deviated far from its planned course. The Chinese side regrets the unintended entry of the airship into US airspace due to force majeure. The Chinese side will continue communicating with the US side and properly handle this unexpected situation caused by force majeure. So, what's Occam's razor? If if it was, yeah, but I mean, if it was even just a provocative act, even if it wasn't anything particularly, of course, that's that exactly. (laughs) That's right. So, what can you do? Like, what can you do if words are just meaningless, aren't they? Absolutely. Because if it was an accident and you said it's an accident, well, of course you'd say that. And if it wasn't an accident, then you'd say it was an accident. Because that's I'm, what I'm, you sure, do. I'm sure Gary Powers was, you know, just you know, checking out the atmosphere before yeah. he was shot down, just yeah. checking out the weather above Russia. Yeah. No. Really, my view at this stage, best guess, would be, well, Occam's razor is, if, if you're unsure of the explanation, the simplest least conspiratorial one is probably the most accurate. Isn't that it's, how it works? I think it's the aliens escaping out of Roswell. Yeah, it could be that. Look, it's entirely possible. It was just a weather balloon that got out of control. And, hey, oh, shit, look, that's where it is. And, you know, maybe these things happen all the time and nobody gets upset. And maybe this time, you know, people got upset unexpectedly. Or I mean, I, I know reasons. that there are... There are amateur balloons, as in not run by government. People release them with transponders on board and track them across, and they have circumnavigated the globe. Right, yeah, which would be an interesting thing to do. Yeah, but they're not huge balloons that are in airspace and, Hmm. yeah, run by governments. Yeah, I mean... You, You start asking questions when that happens. If if they're wanting to spy on something below, oh, I I don't almost, think it's wanting to spy on something below. I think it's just see how far you can push the limits. Really, right? So you just think it was potentially just a bit of provocation? We'll just poke the bear and watch them squirm, type of thing. Possibly, right. Right. no, not oh, that no, the Chinese. I, I, I like it if they did. But yeah, okay. Well, I mean, the Russians yeah. were doing it to the UK. The Russians were probing the Scottish. Air defence boundaries, right. not that what long ago, three, four years ago. What, what were they probing it with? Oh, fighter planes. They were right. flying right up to the limits. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. So, Scoo. yeah. Could have been just toying with them. Hmm. Well, well what apparently some... the idea is you draw out the air defence and you see how reactive people are. Yes. So you get an idea of the strength of the forces if yes. you were to ever attack. Yes, I mean... If China were to ever attack the USA with a fleet of balloons, they have gathered intelligence now as to what the US response might well, be. Maybe if you're surveilling what radar systems they've got, what would light yep. up? Yep. Essential Lord Don says in the chat room, the problem is if you shoot down a Chinese spy balloon, half an hour later you want to shoot down another. It's not a Macca's. 
It's a reference to Chinese food. That's good. Potential or done. Yeah. Uh, what have people said on Twitter? Jason Hickel. To US Americans, your welfare is not threatened by a balloon. It is threatened by a ruling class that denies you access to healthcare, affordable housing, modern transit, living wages, proper voting rights, a stable client, and a decent chance of a living past 77. No, you're in. What has Caitlin Johnston said? She said, All major governments spy on each other constantly, and China is no exception. But the Pentagon's own assessment, and she has a link to an article, is that the balloon does not create significant value added over and above what the PRC is likely able to collect through things like satellites in low Earth orbit. That makes sense to me, that there is no espionage value in a balloon because a satellite is going to be able to detect more stuff than your balloon could. Seems likely to me. Generally. Mm. I mean, obviously a balloon is closer to the Earth. There may be weaker things that it can pick up. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, the Pentagon's own assessment is the balloon does not create significant value added. So you'd be think if it was, they'd tell us. Anyway, yeah. so everyone's losing their minds over a balloon that in all probability would be mostly worthless for spying, even while everyone knows the US spies on China at every possible opportunity. This is the hypocrisy of it. It's the people who are ranting and raving about it are saying it's a goddamn Chinese spy balloon. How dare they spy on us? And of course, all you know, any nation that can afford to is doing it all the time on its enemies. Yes, but not with a balloon. No, but not even just their enemies. So major countries even spy on their own allies as when and US their own intelligence. Citizens. Yes. When US intelligence bugged the cell phone of German Chancellor Angela Merkel. So the people who are railing over a spy balloon in the sky are the yeah, same but people. Merkel that... was a communist. That was allowed. <laughs> Maybe she was. That's why they had to spy on her. Just to well, make she sure. was from the DDR, wasn't she? Yeah. She probably the Manchurian candidate. So meanwhile, the BBC is reporting that the US has secured access to four additional military bases in the Philippines. And, Joe, the Philippines are really close to Taiwan and the island on the Philippines that's the closest is now going to get a series of military bases. So if you want to talk about provocative military action in the last few weeks, then talk about US and Philippines coming to an agreement to whack even more military personnel and equipment within spitting distance of Taiwan on the closest Philippine island that's there. So that's a, that's a provocative act. So, yeah, what does she say here? The US empire surrounding China with military bases in ways that Washington would never tolerate China doing in the waters surrounding the United States. And she says, ask an empire apologist to show you how China is aggressing against the US and they'll start babbling about TikTok and balloons. Yes, got to put it all in perspective, I think. Well, I think buying third world countries up for their vote in the UN is fairly egregious, isn't it? He's doing that one? He's China. not doing that? All oh, right, and he's not doing it? Oh, I don't know. The US is funding... When Israel votes for the US, it's not doing so oh, because... I'm of, sure it's doing so because the huge military funding it gets from the US. Yeah, yeah. 
The other Although thing, of course, is... That's allegedly America's guilt over the Holocaust, isn't it? Yeah. You see, America takes a pr- pragmatic view of these things, Joe, is mm-hmm. rather than buying all the votes, simply just ignore the vote that's well, carried. Yeah, there is or, that. ve- or veto it, you know. It's just, what, 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 yeah, that's what a, a seat on the Security Council is for, isn't it? Yeah, no need to, no need to buy votes when you can just ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Australian. My subscription to The Australian, I cancelled that months ago, but my app is still giving me access, so. It's because they love you. Yes, that could be it. So I'll continue reading it while they're providing it, and they had a report on the balloon. So this was in The Australian, and it reads, Relations between the world's two superpowers have hit their lowest point since Joe Biden entered the White House after the US military shot down a Chinese surveillance balloon off the coast of South Carolina. Now, they're quoting, they're talking about Labor's response. They say, Deputy Prime Minister Richard Marles on Sunday condemned the use of the spy balloon as foreign policy experts warned that China might already be using similar espionage tactics against Australia without the public's knowledge. So if you launch a balloon from China, mm. the, the, the air currents are aloft, the winds are aloft, we'll move to the Australian. It could be a... Whereas if you wanted to launch it over Australia, you'd need to go to Kerguelen, maybe? Africa, maybe? Maybe that's what well, they're no, getting I so don't... friendly with the Africans. I don't know that anywhere in Southern Africa, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'll go on. On Sunday, a spokesman for Mr Miles, who has been visiting Washington for talks with defence officials, said, so this is a spokesman for Mr Miles, said Chinese, China's actions were inconsistent with international rules. For fuck's sake, they've just lost, potentially just accident, potentially a civilian Chinese company has lost control of, an, of a weather balloon. Quote, This expectation to follow global norms is no different in airspace than it is for activities at sea or on the ground, she said. The operation of high-altitude balloons must occur in accordance with international rules, including those stipulated by the International Civil Aviation Organization. She said there were questions associated with the presence of a Chinese aircraft in US sovereign airspace, which is inconsistent with China's stated commitment to the rules and laws. And, of course, what does the Australian do but start quoting some think tanks? So former executive director of ASPE, Peter Jennings, said a spy balloon was being deployed... uh, A spy balloon being deployed over Australia could definitely happen. Quote, there's no limits to where this technology could be used, he said. I think we're looking at here is new technology the Chinese are trialling. That means we should be on the lookout as well. Well, Google were talking about doing a... Balloon internet link. Right. You know, Elon had its Starlink. Yes. Which is low Earth orbit satellites, but they were Mm. talking, Google were talking about basically using balloons, if I remember. Somebody was talking about using balloons to do a much lower down radio link. Yep. To provide internet to rural uh, rural areas. And just let them float around. Put enough of them up I, there and... I don't know that it was let them float around or whether they were going to be tethered. Oh, okay. But it was definitely, yeah, how do we get coverage at the right heights to cover a nice footprint? Hmm. 
What else have we got in this report from the Australian? Still quoting Douglas Wise, a former Deputy Director of US Defence Intelligence Agency. He's quoted now as saying that the Chinese balloon was part of the largest intelligence operation in the history of the human race against the US and Australia. Only against the US and Australia? No other country? Mm. He says, he says, as quoted in the Australian, China already sees itself at war with the US and Australia, even if we don't. Dismissing Beijing's claim that the balloon was a civilian weather aircraft that had drifted off course. What they did with the balloon is provocative and not worth the intel value. There has to be other value to it. Mr Wise speculating, speculated, suggesting the Chinese could have been testing, quote, a potential weapons delivery or advanced sensor system. Well, we'll find out when they pick up the pieces. Will we? Oh, look, Do you I trust think... anything, Joe? If they could lay out a whole bunch of pieces on a table and say, oh, we went to the spot, we got all this from the seabed, here it is. Could you believe any of it? You couldn't, could you? What I want to know is how come the debris trail is, it's, it's spread over 10 kilometres or something. Mm. They had, they, they used to have a balloon capturing thing Back when satellites used to drop canisters down to Earth, they actually had a thing that a plane would fly along and catch, I think it was actually parachutes, but it would catch them in the air. Yep, yep. The problem with that, Joe, is that (coughs) Mm. people could then easily locate the pieces and determine what it was Mm. in its original condition, whereas this way they're able to say, whoops, complete mess, can't work anything out. Well, they said it's in shallow water, so. Yeah. Yeah. Still quoting this this guy, Mr. Wise, who was US Defence Intelligence Agency, former deputy director, he said he says the Chinese have patience that is unlimited. They are dangerous because they don't have accountability and they don't operate under the rule of law or a moral frame of reference. I couldn't keep a straight face. I probably when he was writing it or saying it, he probably did. But yeah. Another guy, Patrick Lawrence. He's a long-time correspondent. He was foreign affairs commentator for 25 years, chiefly, chiefly for the Far East and Economic Review, the International Herald Tribune and the New Yorker. And he said, Cui bono, Joe, Latin yes. for to whom the good or more commonly who benefits. Who benefits, yeah. Mm. And his theory is that Blinken was about to go to China to try and improve relations, supposedly, was the purpose of the trip. And by by beating this up as to be bigger than Ben-Hur, Blinken's cancelled the trip and tensions therefore remain high between America and China. And if you're in the business of wanting high tension because you sell arms, arms or you run an organisation that is designed to go to war mm. and use those arms then possibly the only person who's benefited is the Pentagon and the military-industrial complex. That's his theory. Qui bono. Will we ever know the truth? Hard to say. Well, maybe in 100 years' time when the declassified papers come out. Yeah. Yep. I think uh, the Petita Advocate 
was onto it, Joe. Their headline read, Chinese spy balloon discovered to be elaborate gender reveal. It was a white <laughs> balloon, though, so. <laughs> it wasn't blue or pink, was it? It was exactly. just a white powder. <laughs> it's a complete failure. Uh, right. Hello in the chat room. Watley's there. Noisy Andrew's there uh, with Essential Lord Don. And good on you guys. Make your comments. Pell was buried in this. There was a service, Joe. Another good one from the Shovel article read, St Mary's Cathedral says, if the protests get too disruptive, they will simply move Cardinal Pearl's body to another parish. Wouldn't be the first time. Mm. And another guy said, the Catholic Church lays Pearl to rest in the hypocrite. Hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. This isn't a joke. This is genuine. This is a tweet by... Oh, God, what's her name? She's right there in front of me, but I don't have a name. Peter Credlin. Peter Credlin, yes. The funeral for Cardinal Pell will be a chance for people of faith, Catholic and other faiths, to give our country's greatest Christian leader a respectful farewell, says Sky News host Peter Credlin. He was the father at Gosford. The father at Gosford. He used to put the signs out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think he's Australia's greatest leader. Yeah, Catholic leader. Well, he was Anglican, wasn't he? Yeah, but they said greatest Christian leader. They didn't. Yes, true. Yeah. True. Yes. Ah. Remember, dear listener, and those who wanted to sort of support Cardinal Pell, a royal commission in 2017 found he was, quote, conscious of child sexual abuse by clergy as early as 1973 and had failed to act on complaints about priests. Yeah, but come on, you can't expect him to act in 50 years. No, that's right. So, ah, oh, dear listener, you've all, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, does Trevor have some of the clip of Tony Abbott's eulogy for Cardinal Pell? And could oh, God, he possibly... I think I'm going to vomit. Was the one that we were vomiting about? Oh, Jacinta Price last week about yes. about the Murdochs. That was vomit inducing. This one, it's right up there. Here we go. And wait for the applause, dear listener. He was never one to mince his words. To the smug, to the venal, to the lazy, to the wayward, and to the intellectually sloppy. He was an existential reproach. And because that's all of us, in some way, it's hardly surprising that he became a target. His recent observation that the climate change movement, quote, had some of the characteristics of a low-level, not too demanding pseudo-religion, was the kind of comment that enraged its adherence precisely because it was true. And throughout history, that's what people have been martyred for, for telling the unpopular, unpalatable truth. And it's not possible to honour the Cardinal without some reference to his persecution. He was made a scapegoat for the church itself. He should never have been investigated in the absence of a complaint.
he should never have been charged in the absence of corroborating evidence, and he should never have been convicted in the absence of a plausible case, as the High Court so resoundingly made plain. Applause at a full Catholic church service mm. funeral. That would be unusual, I would have thought. Uh, applause for a, a protector I, I of thought, child molesters, even more I, I peculiar. I thought there was a complaint, and that's why he was investigated. Uh, there we go. There we go. So you don't get this on the six o'clock news, do you? No. Yes, no. You don't get subjected to this, yeah. And you know the climate change is only a pseudo-religion because they don't yeah. rape children. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, okay. There was an article in the Saturday paper by a guy called Des Carhill and about George Pell, and he said, at the service, former Prime Minister Tony... Abbott described Pell as one of the country's greatest sons. He said he was a soldier for truth. He said there should be schools and universities named after him. George Pell was two years ahead of me in the Melbourne Seminary. For several months, he was my prefect. We maintained a friendship through the years. Various commentaries have focused particularly on Pell's intelligence, his fine mind. Fellow seminarians know better. He was certainly bright. But he never topped his class at the Melbourne Seminary, nor at the Pontifical Urban University in Rome. He was often described as God's ruckman, and it was noted that he would have played for Richmond. This isn't quite true either. Because of his bulk, he dominated schoolboy football, but this advantage did not last into adulthood. When he played against men in the seminary, he was best described as slow and lumbering. He was not a draft pick. Pell also showed amazing ability not to read the signs of the times. He was particularly seen in, this was particularly seen in his rejection of a priestly role for women, his strident opposition to gay people and same-sex marriage, and lastly in his rejection of the need for a revised theology of sex and sexuality. He played a key role in the dismissal of Bill Morris, Bishop of Toowoomba, for his outspoken views on women's ordination. He goes on painting a picture of him as a conservative. So, so yeah. Because you do hear those things about him and that's just painting another picture to provide a full picture for you of Cardinal mm -hmm. Pell. Mm. Joe, Lydia Thorpe was the Greens spokesperson for The Voice. Yeah. And she was quite loud in saying that she wasn't so sure about The Voice and while she wasn't you know, coming out and saying definitely vote against it. She was clearly not happy with the idea, which was a contradiction with what the Greens were wanting to say as their policy, obviously. And anyway, she quit the Greens. It's probably good for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I saw her hearings that said territory never ceded or... Hmm. Sovereignty never ceded. That was it. Yes. So she wanted to make it clear that if the voice referendum is passed, that somehow it's made clear that sovereignty has never been ceded. So 
Um, just this article I read on this which said, Victorian Senator Lydia Thorpe has quit the Greens Party and will move to the crossbench. Indigenous Senator says she wants to represent the strong grassroots black sovereign movement full of staunch and committed warriors. Sounds like she's advocating for revolution. Hmm. Yeah. She said a voice to Parliament was at odds with what her community had told her but noted she had not reached her final position on the constitutional change. It's going to get quite ugly, this debate. See how it pans out. Probably a good thing for the Greens. That was getting really embarrassing for the Greens. They clearly want to – certainly the people who vote Green are very much in favour of the voice. And Yeah, but isn't this another case of white people taking on struggles that aren't theirs, deciding what's best for other communities? Which white people, Joe? Oh, the self-flagellating sort. Name some names. <laughs> what are you talking about here? You mean you mean the Greens in general taking on? Yeah, well, yeah. Right. Okay. The, well, but this is also true in America of the, mm. the, the, the Black Lives Matter where there was a lot of well-meaning white people going, no, what we need is this. Oh, okay. Uh, and the black people saying, you don't know because you've never lived it. You've ne- you don't understand it. Yes. And it's fine for you to support us, but mm. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. As you know, dear listener, I'm against the voice, but I'm against the reasoning of uh, Lydia Thorpe and I'm against the reasoning of Jacinta Price as well. So, ah, dear. Joe, have you been keeping up with RoboDebt at all? I did see something about the commission going on and that it was a good thing because we were getting some transparency into the non-functioning of the government. Indeed, yeah. Imagine if this was all happening behind closed doors, as might happen with this new body that's been developed for federal parliament. The not-ICAC, yes. Yes. So the fact that this is all out in the open for everybody to see is great. So focus in the last week has been around Alan Tudge and his former media advisor. So she had she had left the department under circumstances where she got a massive payout. So she was obviously no longer friends with Alan Tudge or anybody in there and was happy to be extremely frank about <laughs> about what had gone on in that department and did not hold back in the least about how how his office was handling this robo-debt. So brief recap, dear listener, is that robo-debt was a situation where they were pe- – people's obligation to with social welfare relied on looking at their income in two-week periods. And for a lot of people, that can fluctuate a lot because they're on casual employment and what RoboDebt was doing was looking at their income over a longer period of time and averaging that into, across the two-week periods, which was resulting in people having debts to repay and debts that were completely false because of this lazy calculation and then sort of getting 
quite nasty sort of debt collection agency people to follow up with these people and threaten them. And you know, people committed suicide and and were highly distressed about it. So it was a really uncaring, brutal sort of response by the government. Compare Rhythm. that to Jer- Jerry Harvey mm. uh, and the JobKeeper allowance. Yes, exactly. Just millions and, oh, well, it's done, dusted. Yeah. Yes. yeah, completely different. So so it's hounding the poor people because they're poor. Yeah. And, Joe, this really comes down to this Christian theology of these Pentecostals in particular where if you're poor it's because you just haven't worked hard enough and you're not Christian enough and there's something morally wrong with you. And Jesus doesn't love you. Yeah. So so that, that, that that's part of these people. Like, God, this sort of evangelical Pentecostal Christian line are the most unchristian people. They just think poorly about people. Anyway. I, I hope that the Royal Commission actually recommends manslaughter proceedings. Yeah. I, who knows what they're going to come up with? Well, I, I think if they were to say that the government is liable... Mm-hmm. and that people are at least investigated with a, a view to manslaughter charges, mm. maybe governments would be less feckless in the future. Mm. So the media advisor painted a picture, Joe, where some sort of whistleblower complainers, people on Oh, they were hounded. Security, I know that. Were hounded. Yeah. And Tudge wanted the details of every single one of them and wanted their private details leaked to the media with disparaging sort of interpretations of their circumstances to try and... Box um, them. Yeah, to, and to reduce their credibility mm-hmm. and sought legal advice as to whether he could do it and got the legal advice on the basis that it was clarifying government policy or something like that. So the purpose was to scare off anybody else who was thinking of coming forward and complaining publicly. And according to the media advisor, that tactic was very successful. Yeah, I'm and sure it was. She was very clear and specific in talking about how they got that message out by just dealing with Simon Benson from, I think, The Australian and other right-wing papers and media that she mentioned who were friendly and she could just spoon-feed them an exclusive and they would run with it. Shocked, shocked, I tell you, that the Australian would do such a thing. Yes. So it's worth listening to a little bit of what she had to say and so let me find her here and bring it up. And she's here, very, very frank and enjoying the moment of, of dumping on her previous employer. But that media strategy was quite comprehensive that I developed in January to shut down the story. And that involved, you know, placing stories with the, you know, the more friendly media, the right-wing media about how the coalition was actually catching people who were cheating the welfare system. And, and, and that media, including the likes of A Current Affair or others, has a lot more reach the commercial television programs, the you you know, 2GB radio, that type of thing, has a lot more reach. So actually the message that was getting to people on the ground was that the coalition is cracking down on welfare cheats, whereas in the kind of you know left-wing Canberra circles, it appeared to be quite a crisis. But we were getting feedback from the Prime Minister's office that actually this was playing quite well 
in, in you know, marginal seats, Western Sydney, that type of thing. Which was playing quite well. Well, the, the narrative of that robo-debt was actually playing quite well in terms of people actually supported it and were supportive of the notion of the government cracking down on anybody who was cheating the welfare system. Joe, it's all about managing the narrative. Just And it's the poor people who get most upset about people who are seen to be rotting the system. You know, I'm yeah. working hard, I'm doing my bit. Yes. You know, these dull bludgers, they're sitting on their ass doing nothing. Yes. And getting handouts. Yes. So, yeah, I can see where, that it would play well into marginal seats, the you know, the, the, the poorer suburbs. Mm, yeah. In the chat room, Murray says Media Watch actually has a good summary of that too. And they did, Murray. It was a really, really good summary of, of what's gone on so far. And it just surprises me that they weren't doing summaries like that every week for the last six weeks or so because there's been lots of other stuff happening. So, yeah, that's just a very frank explanation of how this massage public opinion work with favoured media outlets. This is an article from Rachel Withers in The Monthly. Joe, The Monthly's not bad. The Saturday paper's not bad. Crikey, I'm less in love with, but it's still there as independent. John Menadue blog. Hi, eh? What's that? Independent Australia. And Independent Australia, yes. And a little bit of The Guardian from time to time. These are the outlets that where you get some alternative view of some of these important things. So Rachel Withers in The Monthly said, so Tudge was basically saying that he didn't know about the legal problems with robo-debt, that he didn't know that there was some sort of advice floating around questioning the legal advice. Yeah. I'm sure, blaming. That, I'm sure that any lawyer would have been going, yeah, it might be legal but it's questionable and it's hit and miss whether we could actually defend it in a court of law. Mm. And, and no civil servant's going to cover that up. They're going to pass it up the chain to cover their ass. Mm. And she makes the point that, the evidence has shown that Tudge was really heavily involved in looking at the criticism in the left-wing media about the program because he was then acting very proactively to counter that. Mm -hmm. And that of, at the time, the left-wing media was also having... Saying we've got legal advice that this is and, and illegal. And there's whispers of illegality about this. People are mm -hmm. saying it's illegal. So he could not have been closely monitoring the left-wing media for its complaints about what was happening to individuals without, without also knowing about these questions of illegality. It just, you can't have both. It's going to be very interesting to see what this Royal Commission finds in terms of the credibility of different witnesses and whether they will be quite blunt, the Commissioner, in saying, well, Mr Tudge gave this evidence and then at the same time gave this other evidence and I just don't, I don't accept know, that he was telling this, the truth. This is a witch hunt in revenge for the Pink Bats Royal yes. Commission, isn't it? Yeah. Well, in part, did, yes, it's motivated by that for yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Mean, did, did the Pink Bats Royal Commission actually find that much? Were the actions of Peter Garrett and others as bad as the actions here? Yeah. They were? No, I'm, I'm saying I don't know. Yeah. That's what I'd like to know is yeah. how, do, how do they compare? Mm. 
anyway. ABC has been very quiet on this as well. So, you know, they sent 28 staff to cover the death of the Queen and we got wall-to-wall coverage, yet on something as important as this, we don't get much at all. Easy. He was at the tennis, pictured having a beer. James Morrow from the Daily Telegraph wrote an article saying, having a beer at the tennis, not a good look for our PM. That was the headline. Yeah, well, wasn't he not going to Alice Springs to deal with the right-wing media's shock and horror about what was going on in Alice, Mm. but spending time at tennis, Mm. whereas the opposition leader was, oh, wait, he was at the tennis too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Anyway, the great thing about citizen journalists now and people is is they can look through and troll and find people's old tweets and... Mm -hmm. James Morrow, years ago, actually not that long ago, August... August 22. 22, talking about Scott Morrison, who was criticised for having a beer, said, old enough to remember when a PM downing a beer was the cause for much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Has sanity returned or was the outrage just a partisan act? So sympathetic when Morrison had a beer and what are we, barely five months later? I was going to say, wasn't one of the Prime Ministers known for being able to neck a pint? Yeah, Bob Hawke. Yeah, exactly. He, he had so, a, so what's um, this crap about people being upset about the Prime Minister downing a beer? Yeah. Well, James Morrow is when it's Albanese. Well, obviously. He's not when it's Morrison. Just so hypocritical and partisan, these guys. Yeah, Bob Hawke had a, a beer-drinking record of something, of some sort. Mm, Either, downing a pint um, in however long, yeah. I think that's what it was, yeah. Jim Chalmers, our treasurer, wrote an essay. It's a really long essay and supposedly about his view on economics and ordinarily, dear listener, I would not have read it but because I do this podcast for you and kind of the arrangement is I do these things so that you don't have to. I read it and really it was a bit wishy-washy it was a lot of words that didn't really say much. I was hoping he would, but he was really just saying that we can make a new form of capitalism where people are nice to each other and companies have objectives beyond just making money and of being good citizens and we can do it and won't it be great. And that was about it. Summary of it for you and... I couldn't get anything concrete out of it other than his desire for a nice form of capitalism. So I I see the well-being budget and treasurer guffawing question time about yoga mats and incense. There was a community in I think San Francisco that said, you're providing funding for all of these different community events we want funding for a community bondage dungeon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, consensual adults. It, it's a community sport. We we want yeah. our own dungeon, a safe place for us to play. Uh, yes. And they asked for and, and the outrage and the, the conservative press about, oh, my God, how dare you? Yes. It was just the, we, we happily yeah. hand over cash to kiddie fiddlers in mm. the church but when some adults ask for some private play space, 
Yes. We're, we're totally outraged by this. Right. How does this fit in with the story of, of friendly capitalism? How does this work? How do we oh, get to this, this? This was you're talking about well-being budget for, from oh, okay. Superintendent Chalmers. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that would that would help the well-being of a certain unique niche market. Yeah. Well, uh, they said there were enough people in the community that were of that persuasion that it would have as much take up as a church in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Ah, anyway, that was Jim Chalmers' values-based capitalism, a bit wishy-washy. During the time that we had Morrison in charge, we had this AUKUS arrangement crop up, a security act understanding between Australia, the UK and the US, where we agreed we were extra special friends. And, Joe, just remind me again, how is the UK ever going to help us in a military capacity if we get into trouble on the other same, side of the planet? Same as the Falklands. They'll right. send a task yeah. force down yeah. to liberate when the Argentinians invade. Yes. You're right. Anyway, it's a, a bullshit pact. And it, it, just says, it just says to the rest of Asia... We're white people here and we're scared of you yellow people and we've got deals happening with other white people who also happen to be former colonialists of much of the territory you guys currently live in and you had to fight well, them off at some stage. We, we actually have a training initiative with Singapore. We do, a training yes. initiative, military training initiative. Yeah. Right, yep. So Singapore leases quite a lot of our army bases for training, and I believe there's some mutual defence thing right. going on there. Yes. Yep. So we are, yeah, you know, other other former colonies. Yep. But well, they're definitely not white people in Singapore. Yeah. Well, you know, why didn't we strike a deal with Singapore and Indonesia and, you know, we're, we're here in, in Asia. Indonesia are Muslims. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Anyway... Albanese and and his deputy are worrying me, Joe. They seem to be extremely naive about these matters because he's come out, Albanese, and said it's likely he would have pursued the AUKUS agreement had Labor been in power during the Morrison era because the bonds between the three nations are enduring and defence officials would have supplied the same advice. Goes on, AUKUS is an arrangement between nations who are friends and whoever was in government would have had similar defence department, defence personnel and foreign affairs advice and that's why our relationship with both those nations has been pretty consistent over a considerable period of time regardless of who has been in office at any particular time. So Joe, there's no point voting for the Labor Party if you want a different policy mm -hmm. on defence or foreign affairs because they don't have a policy. Or digging up coal. They just take whatever advice is given from the Defence Department and defence personnel and that's what they just follow. And digging up coal is from Rio yeah. and Gina and... 
just pathetic labour. Just pathetic. Honestly. Oh, well, we've got the same advice, so we just do the same thing. It's your job to look at this stuff and make but a decision about whether defence... because we all speak flavours of English. Yeah. It, what? It's easy to share intelligence because yeah. we all speak English. Ah, of course. Okay, yep. And, yeah. Honestly, for goodness sake, nations who are friends, the US has never let us down. Here's, to save me doing a rant, here's Jimmy Dore and Joe on, on Tucker Carlson again. I thought you were going to say it was... Rick Astley, about how the US was never going to give us up, was never going to let us down. (laughs) Never going to run around and hurt you? Yes. Or something. (laughs) All right. So this is good. This is Jimmy Dore on right wing. You know, we've reached the point where one of the, like, Tucker Carlson is just an abominable person. (laughs) But he's pissed off with the amount of money that America is spending on defence overseas. I think his motivation is that we're wasting our money defending overseas people and we should... Yes, we, we should be back. guarding the Mexican border yes. from all those nasty immigrants. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, he wants to sort of the tortoise to retreat back into its shell and so, so that's his motivation. But he is one of the few who's actually giving airtime to a view which is that maybe the USA is this warmongering hegemon that needs to stop doing it. So he had Jimmy Dore on, so this is what he had to say. We're the ones provoking this war, just like we provoked the war in Ukraine. We are now provoking a war with China. And what? who, who benefits? I'll tell you right now. Your enemy is not China. Your enemy is not Russia. Your enemy is the military-industrial complex, which has been fleecing this country to the tunes of hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars. How many times are we going to have a defense secretary say, hey, we can't account for $2 trillion in the Pentagon again, That like, which has happened twice now in my life? lifetime. So again, people are being, the, the war machine cannot be stopped. Who's running this country? The war machine. It certainly isn't Joe Biden making these decisions. I would like to know who is making the decisions. And I just want to remind everybody, the United States is the world's terrorist. We just set the Middle East on fire in the last 20 years. And now we're doing a proxy war in Ukraine, which we provoked, NATO provoked, and it was just admitted that we provoked it by the former prime minister of Germany. And now we're trying to save a with with China and they're predicting a war. Again, China's not going to invade us. China's not our enemy. They, we might have an economic war. That's what these are. These are economic wars. These are wars right. for in Ukraine. It's about liquefied natural gas and making sure Germany and Russia never come together because we fear Russia's natural resources and manpower, and we fear them getting together with Germany with their technology and their capital. And so that's why we blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. That's why we're doing the Ukraine war. This is all about hegemony, imperialism, and economics. And if there's a Marine somewhere, it's there because they're about to steal some natural resources from another country. As everybody's screaming about what a bad guy Putin is for invading Ukraine, the United States is currently occupying a third of Syria. And which third is that? It's the third that has the oil. And how do I know we're there to steal their oil? Because the president of the United States said so. 
And we're not, we're not even benefiting economically. That's, I mean, of course, that's the rub. Jimmy Dore, I appreciate Wow, didn't he do well to spit out a whole bunch of concepts in two minutes and three seconds? He barely paused for breath. And do you listen, if you get a chance to look at the vision of that, you're right, Joe. The look on Tucker's face was... <laughs> The strangest look of him. He just looked like he'd been slapped stung. across the face by a fish. Yeah, he did. And he just held it for the entire interview. Two minutes and three seconds. And he really got a lot out in a rapid amount of time. That was... And there you go. Right wing Tucker Carlson giving anti-war, anti-imperialist left wing view and supporting it because it's costing America money mm. rather than because it's killing brown people. But, hey, at least this is – they call about horseshoe, Joe, where the yeah. extreme of the right and the extreme of the left eventually sort of come together on some issues like a horseshoe does. So, yeah. But, you know, meanwhile, if you look at Congress, you'll see people like AOC and Bernie Sanders and other supposedly left-wing operators and without hesitation voting for these military budgets and for this military action. So these people who normally have social progressive views, well, no, they don't actually. They're just another version of it. It just shows how the left wing is still very much the right wing. And you know, maybe the argument lefties out there, if you want to try and win people over to stop this warmongering, is his appeal well, to the Tony Tucker Blair Carlson. Was, Tony Blair, I think, was the beginning of it, wasn't he? Yes. He was part of the coalition of the drilling. Sorry, Willing. Yes, that's right. He was. That was what Margaret Thatcher said, wasn't it, that her greatest achievement was Tony Blair? Possibly. Because she'd basically forced the Labor Party to produce a Tony Blair. Right. Uh, so I think I read that somewhere. Anyway, well done, Jimmy Dore, for getting that all out in a rush. So chat room liked that one, I think. <laughs> all right, how are we going for time? Like 32. Before I just get on to this next one, which is Caitlin Johnston, actually, to the patrons. Got a lovely donation from David S. Thank you, David, for that generous donation. Much appreciated. And thought it's time to thank the patrons. Joe, if you need to duck off, you've got a minute here if you need to. But I'm good at the moment. Okay, you're good. So, dear listener, we have a Patreon account. You can log on there and agree to donate one, two, five, or ten dollars per episode, or you can go into PayPal and donate some money there. If you can't afford to, that's fine. Send me a message. Can I get an email or a message from people saying they enjoy the show? That's always nice. If you've never done that before, send me a message. Because that warms my heart. And right, people who are patrons, big shout out and thanks to, and this is starting from the most recent to the oldest, Danny Borland, Obrad Puskarika. Actually, Obrad used has donated for a long time, but it used to be via PayPal, but now Patreon. Anti Usentiment, Tristan Hennessy, Mark Lavelle, Cy, Tom the Warehouse Guy, Rico, Greg P, Shannon League, Don Tuvey, Matt Dyer, Sue Cripp, James in Sydney there. Branwyn, Wayne, David Hanby, Virgil, Craig Ball, Shane Ingram, Zambuck, David Copley, Graham Hannigan, yet another Pinker fan, John in Dire Straits, Donnie Darko, Camille, 
Paul Weber, Alexander Allen, Matthew Craig S, Glenn Bell, Professor Dr. Dentist, Adam Priest, Murray Weber, who's in the chat room. Murray, good to see you there. Andy Dowling, Peter Gillespie, Gavin S, Daniel Curtin, Liam McMahon, Dominic DeMassey, Maddock Man, Bronwyn, who's often in the chat room but isn't tonight, Kane Birch, Jimmy Spud, Tony Wall, Steve Shinners, Alison C. Is Alison I haven't seen tonight? Ayame, Wayno, Craig and Janelle Louise. Thank you to all those people. And I forgot to look up the PayPal. Yeah, in. I forgot to look up the PayPal people. I wonder if I've got that handy because they're on a separate list and I'll quickly grab that. Fairly people sure it's anti-US sentiment, by the way, the second name. Ah, thank you. Anti-US sentiment, of course. Thank you. Also, thank you to donate via PayPal would be Mr. T, Paul Evans, Anne Reed, Darren Giddens, Dave S from Cairns, I mentioned before, Noel Hamilton and Louise. Thank you to those people who donate that way. Yeah, there should be links in the show notes if you would like to. It's much appreciated. And, yeah, so that's a rundown of thank you to those people. Joe, have you tried this chat GPT? No. Right. I would have thought as a tech guy you would have given it a go. Yeah, I'm not big on hyped things. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, dear listener, if you've been living in a cave and hadn't heard of it, but it's an artificial intelligence program where you basically can sort of ask it for something and it will generate. Typically, people have been saying, write me a 300-word essay on why people should vote yes to the voice to parliament or something like that, and it can produce... Half decent essay is essentially one of the key things that have been people have been using, Joe. Sort of, yeah, writing essays, articles. But you can you can also do write me a sonnet or yes. Yeah, so it probably wouldn't know the arguments to the voice because it's not learning. Hmm. It has been trained, and anything that happened after its training, it doesn't know about. Right. Okay. So, and the reason they did that was because the previous iterations of artificial intelligence have been trained by humans outside to become racist Nazis. Oh, I see. Do you not remember Microsoft's one that was tweeting away and they got it to start being a Nazi within about two days? No, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah. You can even get it to write pieces of code apparently. Yeah. Probably won't work, but sometimes it does. Yeah. Anyway, when you when you read these things, they're they're a little bit look, they're not too bad. They're, they're surprisingly good sometimes. Yeah, I mean, some friends of mine got it to write a love poem for one of our other friends. Right. Okay. Yep. All about his phone shop and and how he how he lived to serve his customers. It was hilarious. Oh, there you go. So Anyway, according to the shovel, headline reads uh, Peter Dutton to start using Chat GPT to bring more human touch to speeches. So that's one use for it, Joe. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the quote was I just want to show Australians that I'm not a robot. Mm. But we know he's not a robot. He's a monster, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, an article from Caitlin Johnson. Basically, the thrust of the article is that. We're ruled by assholes because we have asshole systems. What, what is it with assholes slipping in everywhere? Yeah. Does she live in America? She's got an American husband. Don't know. 
Yeah. You'd prefer asshole rather than asshole. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. An ass is a donkey. Yeah. So she's saying people have a fairly – language warning, dear listener. People have a fairly easy time accepting that things are fucked because we are ruled by corrupt assholes. They have a much harder time accepting that we are ruled by corrupt assholes because our corrupt asshole systems will always necessarily elevate corrupt assholes to the top. So she's really saying our problem isn't that we've just got the wrong people have percolated to the top and are ruining lives. It's that we have a system that encourages and enables people to the wrong people to percolate to the top. I, I've, and, I've seen a number of people who have said the problem isn't with the president or the prime minister, the mm. problem is with the whole system that allows them to get there. Yes, and that Donald Trump was a symptom yes, and a result of a system that is more worrying than Donald Trump itself, mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. That's the thrust of the article. It's in the show notes, which the people who are patrons get a PDF copy of the show notes worth joining just for that. By the way, anyone in the chat room is a a patron on Patreon, do any of you actually read the show notes or at least skim through them? I'm just curious whether you do or whether it just uh, nobody looks at it except for myself and Joe. Keen to know. And I use them just to roll up and snort cocaine with. (laughs) Or to put yourself to sleep. Ah, James does. Good on you, James. Right. What else do I have from Caitlin Johnson? Ah, She came across an article from The Guardian. This was a piece from 2014 and it was basically a piece which was highly critical of Ukraine, the government which had been effectively installed by the Americans, by the the high preponderance of Nazis in the Ukrainian sort of military and their presence there. And what else did this article say? The Ukrainian president was replaced by a US-selected administration in an entirely unconstitutional takeover and spoke about the role of fascist right on the streets and in the new Ukrainian regime. It said in the article in The Guardian, this is from 2014, Crimeans voted overwhelmingly to join Russia. And you don't hear much about the Ukrainian government's veneration of wartime Nazi collaborators. Putin has won every election in the last mm. however many years. Yes. Yeah. The, the point of this article, though, Joe, is, okay, you can criticise it and say it's wrong, but she's saying that you could not print that article today if you were to make an article that was critical of Ukraine and sympathetic of Russia in the way that this article that was written in 2014, you there's no way that The Guardian would print it today. It's basically, and she's not even admitting that that was, you know, a mainstream view at all. She's prepared to admit that this was perhaps an outlier of an article, but it was written by a journalist who at the time had published hundreds of articles for The Guardian and kept publishing for a year and a half after that piece came out. So it's really her theory that mainstream media now is massaged where they don't, where they feel their role is not to just present facts and let people work it out, but their role is to somehow manage the inflammation flow to bring people to a, an opinion that they want them to have. So I think that was a fair point. 
I'm sure the art, the Guardian would would not print an article like that today if if one of their long term respected journalists presented it. They'd just end up in the bin. Probably. Mm. At the same time, there was an article by John Pilger, and of course, it was also scathing of Ukraine, published in the Guardian at the time, and. In it, Pilger's article is somehow even more heretical than Milne's, saying Washington, quote, I like this one, masterminded the coup in February against the democratically elected government in Kiev and that Ukraine has turned into a CIA theme park. Was Pilger's... I love turn a phrase like that, Joe. CIA theme park was how he described the Ukraine. So Pilger agrees that you... I think that you could not produce that sort of article for The Guardian anymore. And he says that there's a shift in mass media reporting and saying that there was a purge of dissident voices from The Guardian ranks around 2014 and 2015. And he says, my written journalism is no longer welcome in The Guardian, which three years ago got rid of people like me in pretty much a purge. He says, interestingly, a 2019 declassified UK report found that British intelligence services began aggressively targeting The Guardian after its 2013 publication of the Edward Snowden documents. And the outlet's editor-in-chief, Alan Rusbridger, was replaced by Catherine Viner in 2015 And at that point, The Guardian began moving away from critical investigative reporting and began publishing softball interviews with chiefs of the MI5 and M16. So there we go. That's a theory on by Caitlin Johnston that you couldn't produce that article anymore and a theory about The Guardian changing tack in around 2015. That's that one. And, Joe, there was a flurry of messages on there in the chat room. Anything? Just jokes. Oh, yes. Okay. Good on you in the chat room. And we were discussing Australian research and space exploration. Okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Really, her final, this final one from Caitlin Johnson says, once you get a penetrating insight into how much of our civilization is comprised of narratives people made up, it changes your view of everything. Politics, government, the media, money, the economy, religion, culture, even your very self. That is true, Joe. I reckon over the last seven years I have developed a much more acute awareness of just how much shit is made up and and shoveled mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of us. And she says that in recognising that, you would think it would be a negative experience. And she says, at first it can be, what's, but what's ultimately understood is something very positive. And that is, if our entire civilization is made up, then we can make up something else, something better, something that works for all of us. And she says, as examples, people are making up their own rules about money, gender, relationships, spirituality. That's what you're seeing in these new ideas about cryptocurrencies. I don't like that example, by the way. No. In the younger generation's ideas about gender and sexuality, in rewriting the rules of what relationships, marriages and families are supposed to look like, people are beginning to replace the old narratives with narratives of their own making. So, and that's a good thing. 
So there you go, dear listener. This episode has been concerned with propaganda and narratives and how depressing it can be that... Yeah, I mean, Dr. Daryl Ray, who is a psychologist who is very much involved in the atheist movement in the States and was saying that many people who have shared their religious beliefs still cling on to religious-driven ideas, particularly around sexuality, but amongst other things about morality in general. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, inherited guilt, guilt about nudity or their body or whatever, Hmm. and feel these things that have been imbibed. And even if we're not religious as children we still inherit that from a Christian society. Yep, Christian culture. Yeah, and it's very difficult. I mean, a lot of talk about sex work is driven by this Christian ideal that sex is somehow different, somehow special, Mm. somehow magical. And if if you consider it as just another pastime and you start saying, well, why is it different? And the answer is always, well, it just is. Mm. But but I see young people now, I think, like if I look at high school kids and, mm-hmm. you know, you see all sorts of strange hairstyles, all sorts of gothic outfits or almost anything goes, it seems. You know, at high school, a lot of high schools, now not everyone, I guess, but lots of them, okay, you're gay, so what? Yeah. There's a, yeah, I think there is a lot more... People just saying, well, whatever, rock your boat, rock your boat. And, and, yeah, I mean, I remember. And being unconstrained by traditional narratives. As, as a kid at school, yeah, nobody in my class would have dared come out. No. As a teenager. Mm. And yet my daughter's school, there was quite a lot. Mm. And, and that was at a Christian school. Yeah. And the kids genuinely just don't bat an eyelid about it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe... People will not bat an eyelid when capitalism falls over and replaced with something else or or other crazy things happen. So Can I you know, is, mm, So it is a good point by Caitlin saying that, yes, you know, you look around and you see how much is just made up and on the plus side means we can make up new ways of doing things. Mm? There's a positive way of ending a program, dear listener. Mm. <laughs> right. I'm going to be back next week, but then the week after, I'm not sure what's happening. We'll see. You around next week, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, dear listener, thanks for all those in the chat room. You guys were having fun in there. I've got nothing else. Talk to you next week. And it's a good night from him. Bye, everyone.